0: forward slash give thanks for listening and god bless from that time jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and then skipping forward to revelation 18 verse 2 fallen fallen is babylon the great alas alas you great city you mighty city babylon for in a single hour your judgment has come And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. May God bless our understanding of this hearing of scripture.
1: A few years ago, he's going to adjust my mic for me in a minute, but a few years ago, Middlebury College in Vermont sent out a press release to over 150 local and national media outlets. The press release announced announced that the college had decided to divest its endowment of companies in the military-industrial complex and the fossil fuel industry. The press release explained that the college's action was designed to align its money with its mission. Middlebury advertised itself as one of the nation's most environmentally conscious colleges, so no one questioned the press release. But as it turned out, that press release was a fake. It was sent out by a student activist group that had been pressuring the college to divest. Now I love this activist tactic the fake press release put the college in a tough spot. When it had to explain that the press release was a fake, that it actually planned to continue investing in weapons manufacturing and fossil fuels, the news organizations challenged it to explain why it does so. Even though investing in such things seems to be in conflict with its identity and mission. The fake press release challenged the status quo in a creative way. It helped cast a vision of the way things should be by showing what it would look like for the college to truly live up to its own values. Now, I think that the author of Revelation does something similar. Revelation proclaims not what is, but what could be. It proclaims not reality, but an alternative vision of a transformed world. It's a world where no one goes hungry, where all children receive good educations, and where all people have a warm place to shelter from frigid Chicago winters. As a result, as Revelation prophesies, there won't be much of a market for high-end luxury goods. No longer will the rich spend their vast wealth on yachts and mega mansions, on designer suits and thousand-dollar bottles of wine. For in Revelation's day, even more so than in ours, the rich became rich off of the backs of the poor. When Revelation was written, the Babylonian empire had been consigned to the dust of history. When Revelation proclaims, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, it's really talking about Rome. Babylon was one of the oppressive occupying empires of Israel's past, but Rome was the oppressive occupying power of its present. It was the Roman Empire whose power was keenly felt. It was Rome that proclaimed itself all-powerful, almighty, and everlasting. It was Rome that taxed the people into extreme poverty, taking their crops, their land, and eventually forcing them into slavery to pay off their debts. It was the wealthy Roman elite who grew rich off the backs of everyone else. It was the wealthy Roman elite who built palaces they paid for by exploiting a system that forced people to take out loans to buy back the crops they'd raised so they could have something to eat because the food they grew was taken away through an oppressive and corrupt tax system. When Revelation gives the long list of luxury goods we read it's condemning spending on such things because the wealth that was used to buy them was taken from the poor. Revelation also you you may have noticed issues one of the strongest condemnations of slavery in the entire Bible. In a world where slaves were treated as just another piece of property, just another luxury good, Revelation ends its list of ill-gotten luxury items with slaves, that is, human souls. This is the culmination of Revelation's argument. Not only do the rich spend their money on designer clothing and exorbitantly expensive materials for their mansions, They also have the audacity to buy and sell human beings. Revelation's message is that such behavior will not be considered normal forever. Rome's oppressive and political economic system will fall, because a new kingdom is coming. The oppressive system that Rome represents will not last forever. It can be changed. It will be changed. God will not put up with this situation forever. Justice will roll down like water. God is more powerful than Rome. God is more powerful than Caesar. God is more powerful and God is working in this world. This is the message that Revelation proclaims when it preemptively mourns the fall of Rome. Now I didn't used to think Revelation was worth studying. When I was in college, I took a class that had a unit on the book of Revelation And when we got to that unit, I was convinced that it would be a waste of my time. I even had the professor call me out in front of the entire class for not paying attention. Revelation's language is so fantastical and hard to understand. It's written in a genre of literature so completely foreign to us. It just didn't seem relevant to me. It didn't help that all the books I'd read on Revelation or seen about it had fairly ridiculous interpretations. (laughs) The theories I read in books about Revelation seemed more dangerous than helpful. They result in all sorts of damaging political beliefs, result in disdain for the environment, and the glorification of violence. When my professor called me out in front of the class for not paying attention, I mouthed off to her, arguing that there was no good reason to study Revelation. Now I'm planning to write my dissertation on it. (laughs) (laughs) I love Revelation because it calls for nonviolent resistance to empire and oppression. It casts a vision of the way the world could be, a vision that can guide our work for peace and justice. Later in Revelation is the vision of the new Jerusalem coming down to earth. It's a picture of heaven, the kingdom of God, coming to this earth. It proclaims that a new way of life is possible. That a new world is coming where all will be made right. It gives us a vision to aspire to, something to work toward. When Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was proclaiming that heaven is coming here. It's already on its way. It's already breaking in. Justice will roll down like water. God is more powerful than the politicians. God is more powerful than the giant corporations. God is more powerful and God is working in this world. When we fight for justice, we fight with the power of this in-breaking kingdom behind us. As Martin Luther King Jr. loved to say, the moral arc of the universe may be long, but it bends toward justice. When we fight for justice, we fight with the power of God behind us. There's only one way to achieve the kind of world Revelation envisions. The old world cannot simply be destroyed. We cannot wipe away everything and start over with a blank slate. That's not what Jesus called for. Jesus called for repentance that leads to a new way of living and new ways of of structuring society. Jesus declared that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He taught his disciples to live lives worthy of the kingdom to live into its vision in the present. He taught us to try to convert the powers that be, to steadfastly avoid using the weapons of empire in our attempts to challenge empire. When Revelation envisions the fall of Rome, what it really envisions is its transformation, the transformation of the entire world. Revelation describes this new world in the vision of the New Jerusalem. When this holy city comes down, Revelation says that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In a sense, the New Jerusalem is a vision of heaven, but it's heaven on earth. It looks a lot like Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God, something established here on earth. It's not fully here yet, but it's a vision that we work toward. Just like all that is wrong with the world is personified by Rome, all that could be is personified by this new city, the new Jerusalem. It is a vision of a peaceful world where there is no war, no fighting, no sickness, no death, a world without vast inequalities of wealth that allow some to eat caviar while others starve. It's a vision of heaven being established on earth. Now in a few weeks, we will celebrate the life and work of Martin Luther King Jr. King also loved to weave visions of what the world might look like once the evils of racism, segregation, economic inequality, and war are abolished. Many of his speeches end with litanies like those in his famous I Have a Dream speech. Litanies that proclaimed that one day, even in the state of Mississippi, Even the state of Mississippi will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice, and that his four little children will one day live in a nation where they will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. King proclaimed his faith in the dream of a transformed world, a faith that, in his words, allowed him to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. King struggled hard with the reality of evil in the world. He knew firsthand how hard and how dangerous the struggle for justice is. He acknowledged that the obstacles in his way often made him want to despair. Yet he found hope. He proclaimed the words we shall overcome as gospel truth. He believed in a certain kind of future. A future where the fellowship and beloved community that we see in the biblical visions of the kingdom of heaven have finally become reality. He believed in this future and he proclaimed it as his dream. A dream not of heaven in some far off place, but a dream of this world transformed. A dream of this world defined by justice and righteousness. His dream did not require violence or destruction. What it required was conversion conversion of individuals, institutions, and systems. King used nonviolence because it is the only method compatible with this goal. As King once said, nonviolent resistance does not seek to defeat or humiliate the opponent, but to win their friendship and understanding. The end is redemption and, under- and reconciliation. The aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community, while the aftermath of violence is tragic bitterness. Revelation's message is so powerful to me because it is a message of hope and possibility. But because of that, it's also a message that calls us to examine ourselves, a call for repentance. It calls us and the structures and systems of this world to turn around, to begin to do things differently, so that God's will might be done on earth and the earth might come to look more and more like heaven. Revelation's message calls us to live into God's kingdom here and now, to live as if it were already fully here. Our vocation as Christians is to work for justice, for reconciliation, for peace, for beloved community, to work on our own lives as well as the structures and systems that constrain them. We work for justice and against all forms of oppression and violence because we know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because we know that the powers that be are not all powerful. Martin Luther King Jr. knew this truth. He worked for justice in the beloved community of the kingdom of God, even though the obstacles in the way loomed large and often seemed insurmountable. He knew what it meant to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that Babylon is fallen. In this final part of my sermon, let me channel Reverend Dr. King for a while. Let me use his words to cast a vision of what is possible. What does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What does it mean that Babylon is fallen? It means that we can have the audacity to believe that peoples everywhere can have three meals a day for their bodies, education and culture for their minds, and dignity, equality, and freedom for their spirits. What does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that Babylon is fallen? It means that we can dream that one day people will rise up and come to see that they are made to live together as brothers and sisters. That we can dream of a day when justice will roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That we can dream and expect that our politicians will go to their legislative houses to do justice. It means that we can dream that one day war will come to an end and people will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The nations will no longer rise up against nations and neither shall they learn war anymore. What does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that Babylon is fallen? It means that we can proclaim that God is at work in the universe. On all the roads of life, God is striving in our striving. God is working through history for the salvation of God's children. It means that we can be confident that as we struggle to defeat the forces of evil, the God of the universe struggles with us. What does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that Babylon is fallen? It means that when our days become dreary with low hovering clouds, and our nights become darker than a thousand midnights, we can remember that there is a great power in the universe whose name is God, who is able to make a way out of no way and transform dark yesterdays into bright tomorrows. What does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that Babylon is fallen? It means that as we struggle to make racial and economic justice a reality, we can maintain faith in the future. We can somehow believe that these problems can be solved. When we proclaim God's kingdom, we proclaim that it is ultimately more powerful than the kingdoms, the powers, and the structures and systems of this world. We proclaim that the powers better repent, for justice is coming, whether they like it or not. When we prophesy that Babylon is fallen, that the powers of injustice and oppression will fall, that a world of justice and righteousness will rise up in their place, we prophesy that God's kingdom is coming. We cast a vision of what the world could be like. When we proclaim that the kingdom of of heaven is at hand, that Babylon is fallen, we issue a press release. Not one that's fake, just one that's a little bit early a press release that proclaims not what is, but what could be. So we work with hope, knowing that it's not all up to us, knowing that we have God's power behind us, for God has a plan for this world, a plan that means that while the moral arc of the universe may be long, it bends toward justice.